Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. I'm going to read three verses right around the birth of Jesus. Then I'm going to teach. I'm going to preach. And then when I'm done preaching, we got some goodies for you. We got a churro vendor. Uh, I'm sorry, not a vendor. It's all free to you all, but uh, we're paying the bill. But we got the churro guy there, and we're going to have some lattes there, and we're going to have some coffee there. And then right after the service, we got a, a, a visit from the North Pole. Two special people coming all the way down from the North Pole. And so they'll be here to take pictures with you all. And we're going to have some snowfall. So a lot of fun stuff. So I'm going to hurry up so I don't take too much time, but we have Santa and Mrs. Claus coming and some snow falling and some treats for you all. But uh, let's dive into our word. The book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. It reads as follows. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. In, in, in layman's terms, Mary was pregnant. Mary was pregnant. While they were there, now there is not home, okay? They're, they're about 90 miles from home, all right? While they were there, it's time for the baby to come, okay? The, t- the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So for the next few moments, I'm going to preach to you on this simple thought. The scene at the manger. The scene at the manger. Let me pray for you. Would you just put your hand over your heart? This is just my custom that we always pray before we hear the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, because your presence is here. We open up our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated. The scene at the manger. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you some context on this word scene. What, what do I mean when I say scene? Parents, have you ever told your children, please don't make a scene? Any parents ever been there before? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I, I feel like I say that all the time because I said just a minute ago, I got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old, and uh, that's right about the age where God uses them. God will use your children to develop your patience. And so I find myself saying this a lot. Don't make a scene. Why? Because a scene is unwanted attention. I know some of y'all like attention, but a scene is when someone is making unwanted attention and so we tell our children don't draw attention to yourselves as a matter of fact sometimes wives in the room you you probably had to tell your husband this don't make a scene how many women ever had to tell their husband like they're a child all over again like honey would you please not make a scene sometimes we make a scene when someone cuts us off on the freeway right or sometimes we make a scene when someone doesn't know the protocol at a four-way stop sign doesn't that bug you when someone just don't know, like, it's my turn. Or some, yeah. sometimes we make a scene when someone's driving too slow in the fast lane. Or is that just me? Okay, all three of those are just me, all right? That just, that's my confession. But, but, but sometimes our wives will say that to us. They don't make a scene. And what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments is everything about the birth of Jesus was a scene. 
Everything that happened in the manger was a scene. And I think it was very intentional. I think God was making a scene when his son Jesus was born. Think about it for a second. The birth of Jesus, and I'm going to dive into all of the details in just a moment. It was not a quiet and contemplative moment. But as you'll see tonight, everything about his birth was causing a scene. So, so let, me, let me give you heaven's view for a second. When you see what's happening there, when, when you see that the birth of Jesus is happening in a manger, this is the first thing that you need to know. Everything about Jesus' birth also points to his death. That, now, 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 let's be honest, that's a little morbid, right? <laughs> Nobody thinks about death when a baby boy is born into his world. Typically, that's the last thing we're thinking about. When, when somebody comes and visits a newborn baby, the last thing they want to think about is death. The last thing they want to think about is, you know, how is this going to end? But when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and when we look back into the scriptures, and when we re-examine his birth, the heavenly view of Jesus' birth was not just looking at the boy in a manger, but it's also looking at a man hanging on a cross. When we look at the birth of Jesus, we don't just see a baby coming into this world, but we also see a man being placed in a tomb. When we look at the birth of Jesus, not only do we see his beginning, but like the Bible says about God's vantage point, we see his ending, Calvary, through his beginning. And so when we look at that, first off, I don't want you to get sad, Lighthouse Church. That's, that's not the emotions that I'm trying to get out of you right now. What, what I want you to realize is that when this little baby is laying in the manger, the birth of Jesus is already set in motion, and now we have a beautiful redemption story. I'll say that one more time. The birth of Jesus sets in motion a beautiful redemption story. So, so let, me, let me explain it to you. First off, the Bible says that Mary and Joseph, when, when she was pregnant, they traveled all the way to Bethlehem, the little town where he is born. Now, the, the city of Bethlehem was not just the place where Jesus needed to be born because it was prophesied about, but I want you to get some of the weightier things about Bethlehem where he was born and why it matters. You see, in Jewish law, there were certain sacrifices. There was a, a yearly sacrifice called the atonement. Everybody say atonement. atonement. And what this meant back then was that every family had to go, and for this one sacrifice a year, they needed a spotless lamb to bring into the temple for their atonement sacrifice. Now, they would be offering sacrifices all year round. You could offer a sacrifice of a ram, or you can offer a sacrifice of a dove, but once a year... Once a year, you needed to go and get a spotless lamb. Everybody say a spotless lamb. Well, there was one city because as in all good story, there's a supply chain principle to be involved. Anyway, uh, th there was one town where the only thing they did at this town, their, their, their singular place, of, their singular thing of commerce was to breed spotless lambs for sacrifice. Does anybody want to take a guess what city is the only city at that time that was in charge of breeding spotless lambs? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And so what they would do in Bethlehem is they would breed 
hundreds of spotless lambs all throughout the year and the families would go and get their lamb from Bethlehem. That was the only place to get their spotless lamb to offer up their lamb for the day of atonement for their yearly sacrifice to keep all of their family blessed under the law at that time. And so you need to know if you're taking notes that Bethlehem was the city that bred spotless lambs that were to be used for the annual atonement. Now listen to me, church. Lean in now. Jesus is born in Bethlehem because that's where all spotless lambs are born. And it's not a coincidence that they ended up there in Bethlehem. As a matter of fact, this would be seen as an inconvenience for all the women here right now. Let me prove it to you. Okay, how many of you women, all right, let me set this up for you. If your husband's, if you were nine months pregnant and your husband said, let's go to the Charger game. Come on, we're going to SoFi, baby, all right? So, so off you go to SoFi, and, and because it's the Chargers, and they typically give away the games they should be winning, <laughs> you are suddenly induced into labor because of all of the emotions. Now, women, how many would you be excited to all of a sudden having to give birth to your child in Los Angeles when your doctor's here in North County? You, I mean, you don't have your clothes. You don't have your birth plan. You don't have anything. You are 90 miles away watching the Chargers induce you into labor. <laughs> That's what's happening in the story here. Mary and Joseph were not at home. They were in Bethlehem. I know we paint a pretty manger. I know we, we sing about all of these beautiful little songs, but the truth of the matter is Mary probably wasn't happy, <laughs> as any mama in this room would not be happy if you're 90 miles away from your doctor. And yet this had to happen because as we know, Jesus is the spotless lamb that is born into this world to take away the sins of the world. He is born in the town of Bethlehem because that's the only town that he could be born in. And even though Joseph and Mary were 90 miles away, God knew, God knew. And as they traveled down to Bethlehem, God said, this is the moment. And there begins the scene. Everybody say the scene. There begins the scene of his birth there in the manger. But listen, it, it gets a little better. The Bible says this, and we read it just a minute ago. After Jesus was born, the Bible says that they got swaddling cloths, and they wrapped Jesus up in swaddling cloths. Everybody say swaddling cloths. Again, there's, there's a lot of significance to the swaddling cloths. You know, if you study Bethlehem and what they would do with these spotless lambs, when a spotless lamb was born into this world, immediately the shepherd would grab swaddling cloth and wrap that lamb so that that lamb would not get spotted. And, and, and the, they would grab that lamb, that baby lamb, and they would wrap it in swaddling cloth and leave it in the manger so that it could be examined by the priest. So that the priest could come and take a look and say, okay, this, this is a spotless lamb. We can use this for the sacrifice. This is not a spotless lamb. Got to go. Put him in another city. Get off the Galilee. Whatever. But, but, but one by one, they would, they would wrap these lambs and they would be wrapped in swaddling cloth until the time would come when the priest would come and examine the lambs to make sure that they were, in fact, spotless. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Spotless lambs were wrapped in swaddling cloths and set aside. 
Well, here's what happens in the scriptures. The Bible says that Jesus is born and immediately Mary wraps her little lamb in a swaddling cloth. And while this is happening, the Bible says an angel of armies appears to some shepherd boys out there on the hills of Bethlehem. And it it really scares these kids, but it tells these kids that the Savior of the world had been born. And it said, this child is now lying in a manger. When the angels said that to these shepherds, the shepherds knew. They, they knew where to go. The Bible says that they, they ran to the manger where Jesus was. And as they got to where Jesus was, they realized that this was not an ordinary child, but this was in fact the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world to take away the sins of the world. And, and, and there laid the Lamb of God wrapped in swaddling cloth. There laid the Lamb of God, spotless and without blemish, here on earth to do what only he could do. Here on earth to do what he's born to do. They wrapped him in swaddling cloth because it was only Jesus that could die to save the sins of all of the world. And if you think about it, let me fast forward now to the point that he's 30 years old because he's born, he's wrapped in swaddling cloth. But, but you think he lives his life. He, he goes on and he lives and he does his thing. His, his father, Joseph, is a carpenter, so he's working in his father's home. And, and, and would he really continue to be the spotless lamb of God? Well, let me read to you John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, when Jesus was in line to be baptized by his cousin John, it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When John called Jesus, Jesus the lamb there was a connection that now his death was even closer that that this baby Jesus that was born in a manger had lived his life in such a way he he was a man who lived on earth and yet he never sinned he he was a man that was tempted in every single way and yet he never gave in to sin and when he gets to 30 years old his cousin John sees him and says this is the Lamb of God. So though he was born as a, though he's born in a manger and becomes a man, he never stops being the Lamb of God that was prepared to take away your sins and my sins. Can we give God some praise for that? And John is careful to point it out to all those who were within earshot. He says, that's a man, but he's not just a man. That's the man who is going to take away the sins of the world. And then we get to one more sign. We get to one more sign. There's one more sign surrounding his birth. The Bible says that there were wise men from the east that came and visited Joseph and Mary. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read this story, it's a little exhausting. Think about it for a second. Moms and dads, could you imagine if you gave birth and all of a sudden some shepherds that you don't know just showed up to the manger? And they're like, we're here because God sent us here. I mean, you might be a little flattered, but you're also kind of like, could you go wash your hands? Could you not touch my kid? Could you stay away? You know, there's some of that. But it gets better because now some men show up from the east and you don't know who they are. They, they just show up just knocking, uh, hey, uh, saw star, uh, came to see your boy. I don't know about you, but Mary and Joseph were probably at the point of, oh, my God, how much more awkward could this get? We've got random people showing up to see our kid, and yet it's part of the Christmas story that these wise men would come, and they brought gifts. You see, the wise men were wise because they knew you better show up with a gift. 
<laughs> if you're going to show up to someone's house, uh, uh, you know what I mean? And you're going to interrupt their every, every day coming and going. If you're showing up to visit a newborn baby, you better bring a gift. That's wisdom right there. I'll never forget. See, when, when I married my wife, I was still a little rough around the edges because, because I, I, there's nothing but boys in my house. My, my parents had four boys, and in a house full of four boys, we're just rough. We're, we're rough, and we're tough, and we just didn't have a sister. And so little things we just didn't know. But when I married my wife, one of the first things I learned right away is like you never go to someone's house without bringing something. How many ever? How many of you is that like is that for you as well? Like that's true of you. Like you just know. And sometimes my wife's like, "Where are you going? I'm visiting so and so. You better take something." I'm like, "Oh my God, I don't need to take anything." She's like, "You better show up with something." So, so these wise men were wise to show up with something. They showed up with gifts. Now, who loves gifts? I, I love a good gift. And and the first few gifts, they're great. The first few gifts that these wise men brought were amazing. But the last gift that I'm going to tell y'all about, and to quote my kids, it was a little sus. Like, like the, la- the last gift, it was a little sus. Here, here's what I mean. The first gift, yeah, suspect. Some of the grandparents in the room are like, what the heck is he talking about? It's short for suspect. I, I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, okay? Just give me grace. So... The, the first wise man shows up and he's got gold. Come on, who don't love some gold? Come on, somebody. It's like he's he showing up with some gold. That's a great gift to bring a baby. And then the next, the next, or the baby mama, whatever. But um, then the next, the next wise man shows up and he brings incense. A little different, but I like a mandal, so who am I to judge? You know what I mean? It's like. If you don't know what a mandal is, it's a candle for a man, okay? I like them. They're called mandals, okay? Very manly. All right, so second one brings incense, you know what I mean? And that's a pretty decent gift, you know what I mean? We can light the incense in them, that's great. But the third gift, the gift that was sus was myrrh. Can everybody say myrrh? Okay, th- this is where it gets weird. Right? It gets a little kooky madooky when this gift comes out because myrrh is something that you use to embalm a dead person. Okay, could you imagine, could you imagine for a second if, 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 if you rolled up to your godson or your goddaughter's baby shower and giving the mama a gift certificate to the mortuary? Could you, could you imagine you're like, surprise! It's a gift card to Angel's Mortuary. I put a down payment on a coffin for you. You're welcome. Right? Okay, so you just need to know this. This is the third gift. I'm trying to give you an equivalent. And you're like, really? Yes, really. The only reason you would give someone myrrh is myrrh is used to embalm a body before it is placed in a tomb. But God is causing a scene all around the birth of Jesus. Because unlike the mama that says, don't cause a scene, God is trying to cause a scene. God is desperately trying to get your attention. And so when you read myrrh, I know some of you, because it's part of the Christmas story, you're like, yeah, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you don't think much of it. But when you look a little deeper, and I'm coming to a close now, myrrh was given to Jesus symbolizing that his death was imminent. Again, (laughs) Kind of a weird gift, but everything about the manger and everything surrounding his birth was done with great design and with great intention. And the reason 
that all of this happened, born in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling cloth, given a gift of myrrh. All of these things, Lighthouse, is because God is trying to get your attention. God is trying to make a scene. God, in the busyness of it all, because how many of y'all gets real crazy around Christmas? My wife and I, we've been talking about this this week. We're like talking about, y'all, do you remember when Christmas was fun? It's not fun anymore. It's stressful now. I mean, my kids, every single day of the last week of school was a different theme. Of course, it's pajama day. It's reindeer day. It's Grinch day. I don't have Grinch clothes laying at home. It's... Every, it's like every day we're shopping for gifts and, and then it's like, oh, we have a party here and a party here and get the principal a gift, give the teacher a gift and we're just like, it's not fun anymore. Like, when does Christmas get fun again? Because it's not, doesn't feel fun anymore. And I think sometimes God is having to pierce through all of that to grab your attention. Sometimes God is having to pierce through all of the noise of your life to get your attention. He's competing with consumerism. He's competing with culture. He's competing with so many things. And yet when you stop and when you look at the manger, just know that there's a scene going on. And God is trying to desperately get your attention. He's trying to say, hey, look this way once again. Hey, lean into this moment. Hey, I I know there's a lot that's become of Christmas but let's not forget that this child was born to die this child was born to lay down his life for you and to lay down his life for me and because he chose to lay down his life now the things that were supposed to kill me no longer have a hold of me God took death God took sin and he put it on a cross and when he was done making a mockery of sin he allowed himself to be put in a grave but just to flex and show the world that he was greater than death he got up from that tomb on the third day showing that death where is your sting and grave where is your victory so we look to Christmas And I know you're thinking, oh, but pastor, we celebrate Calvary at Easter, but you need to know when we look to Christmas, we also look to the cross. We also look to what is coming, to what is ahead. So your last little note there is the scene in the manger was to grab your attention. And let me just talk to those of you in this place that have not yet given your life to Christ. Can I just talk to you for just a minute? He's trying to get your attention. If you've not yet accepted Christ into your heart, I would encourage you to do that today. Because here's what I know. When we look at Calvary, not only do we see the cross, heaven sees the cross as well. But do you want to know what else heaven sees? On the other side of the cross, God saw you. God sees you. Cross was the bridge to get to you. The Calvary, the death of Christ was the bridge to reach you so that you could experience his love in a way that you might not have ever experienced it at all. And I'm here to tell you that if you've ever gone through life feeling like something was missing, 
Let me tell you that it wasn't something, it was someone. And that someone is Jesus. And you can live your life with a God-sized hole in your heart, running from thing to thing to thing to try to satisfy you. But you'll never satisfy something. that will, you'll, You're never going to be satisfied until you find that someone. And that someone is Jesus. And he is here for you. And he's the reason we've been singing. He's the reason we've been rejoicing. He's the reason we've done all of this. And so if you've never yet made Jesus your Lord and Savior, in a minute, I'm going to pray for you and give you an opportunity to surrender and to give your life to Christ today. So right there, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? First, I'm going to pray for everyone. And then, like I said, in just a moment, we'll give you all an opportunity to make a decision. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for everyone that is here. Father, I just pray that we would slow down enough to see you. God, that has been my prayer. Every morning as I've spent time with you in the stillness of the day, the one thing that I hear you yearning for is that this world would just slow down and delight in your presence. Is that we would slow down and delight in you. And God, I just pray that this Christmas season, everyone who calls Lighthouse Church their home, that they would find their delight in your birth once again. That we would find our delight, Lord God, in the gifts that you have given to us. Not the material things, but our loved ones, our families, our faith community, the friends that you have brought into our life. I pray, God, that we would slow down and realize that you have given us so much and you have done so much, God. Help us not to be overcome by culture and consumerism. Help us not to be overcome by the false pressures that society slams in our faces, the, 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 the desire to conform, the desire to simply fit in, the, the desire to be caught up in the frenzy. God, help us to resist that and to just delight in you and to delight ourselves in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As your eyes are closed and head bowed, here's the last thing we're going to do. If you've never made a decision to say yes to Jesus, if you have never made him your personal Lord and your Savior, and today's the day that you want to receive him into your heart, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And it's not for me to see you. That's not it. It's really for God to see you. It's just you taking a step and, 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 and taking a, a little bit of motion on your part. And, and as you make that decision in your heart, you're just saying, you know, God, here I am. If you're feeling like, whoa, 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 pastor, I heard what you had to say, but I got a lot of questions. Well, that's why you receive Christ, because the Bible says when you receive Christ, the spirit of truth comes, and he's going to guide you into all truth. So you, you don't get those answers till you receive Christ, but when you've received Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you to those answers you're looking for. So if today you want to make this Christmas more than just a holiday, and if you want to make this Christmas a day that you surrendered your life to Christ, on the count of three, throw that hand up. One, two, three. Throw that hand up real big. If today you are saying yes to Christ, I see you throw that hand up real big. If you're saying yes to Jesus, I'm saying yes to Christ today. You can put that hand down and I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. The worship team is going to repeat this prayer. Everyone's going to repeat this prayer together with me. 
But for those of you that just rose your hands, I want you to really make these your own words and internalize this because the day is the day that you say yes to Christ. Would you repeat with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for Christmas because you have come for me. So today, God, I accept you as my Lord and I make you my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come and sit on the throne of my heart. I have a lot more questions, but your spirit's going to lead me to the truth. From this day forward, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.